Welcome into the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. And we are back to talk about a huge game this week. Uh, obviously, Texas A&M coming to te- – wait a minute. Looks like we have somebody else on this Zoom call to record this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, rejoining the show, the original co-host, Colton Watson, is here to talk about Texas A&M. What's up, Colton? I'm back! The one, the only, the original. I don't think, if there's anybody here listening back when Gavin was on the show, when we started this thing, uh, first of all, I would, I would probably see, see a doctor because you're probably not uh, very right if you stuck with us that long. But you've been through this of the journey. The show's evolved. And now we're just kind of taking a little step back to where we were, I don't know, three months ago. Yeah, it's not even that long. Not even that long. It's been like six weeks, so it's not really a huge deal. If uh, if I sound weird or if you hear ice rattling, I'm, it's not about me. You know, it's really not. But I am pushing through uh, a bit of a, of, a, of a cold. It's not really a cold. I, I get fall allergies. You probably don't know anybody that gets fall allergies. I'm the only person that you know that you've heard of, but it is a thing that I get, but I'm pushing through it. Uh, I'm being really brave about it. And I just want to let y'all know if I sound weird or if I start coughing, I'll try to pause my mic, but that's why. Spoken like a true hero. Yeah, no, I was about to say, you're kind of like stepping into Noah Mashburn territory of like, you know, I'm having my flu game as I record this podcast. Um, No, listen, listen, let let me, let me rip off jokes without you pointing out where they're from. Okay. (laughs) No, uh, I actually occasionally do get fall allergies. Like, I get, like, twice a year where I just have, like, an uncontrollable cough, which a couple of years ago was tough because if you had under uncontrollable cough, everybody mm-hmm. figured you have COVID. Um, same no. thing, same thing. I get, uh, like, I'm allergic to cats. I'm allergic to some specific things. But as far as, like, when I'm just walking around allergic to things, only happens September, October, maybe a little bit November. <laughs> only, only times. All right, so it's great to have Colton back. Great to be able to talk college football with him. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. This is going to be a longer show because, look, this is a big game coming up, and there's a lot to discuss with it. So we'll dive right in. First with some team news. Uh, So today on Twitter, I believe it was Theodore Rosa who was the first guy to put it out there. Deshaun Page, uh, one of your linebackers, just had successful surgery to, like, his left leg. I'll admit I did not dive into the uh, specifics of it very much, but if either of you have anything else to add other than – guy had surgery oh i can give my i can give my six weeks into medical school opinion on it if i can find the picture (laughs) but other than that daniel i mean uh you know i was on um um stefan's uh twitter space just a few minutes ago and he was talking about that and he said uh when they interviewed arnett earlier he was like it's not that he didn't know about it but like He's like, oh, I haven't been on social media. I haven't seen anything. I'm sure he knew that Deshaun wasn't going to be playing for a while because he's he, having surgery. But uh, the way Deshaun he, deleted the tweet, or no, he didn't tweet it. He gets posted on Instagram and Theo screenshot it. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a Mike Leach. Why on earth did you say on put on social media that you had surgery? Um, but you know, uh, obviously, you know glad that he had a successful surgery for whatever it was i mean obviously i'm sure that means he's probably out for 
a while. I, I have no real idea. Um, I do know that's a guy that there was a lot of talk about trying to get him more involved on defense. So tough blow there that does hurt your rotation at linebacker a little bit, but uh, hopefully he can heal up and get him back out there. We do want to touch on, just because we're talking injuries on the defense side of the ball, a massive question for State is when are we going to see uh, Jaden Cromedy back out there? And I there were some reports that he was starting to do some drills and practice once again, but still very much it sounds like it's going to be quite a while until he returns. You need him back. He's arguably your best defensive lineman. And given the fact that pass rush has been an issue for this team, you want those guys healthy. Uh, but um, it, it does. It, unfortunately, what, whatever happened with that wrist injury, clearly it's not something where you can just, you know, basically put a club on his hand and go out there like you often see a lot of defenders will do um, a little bit more serious. I mean, I guess if we're talking injury, any word, Jaquavius Marks or uh, Dollar Bill Johnson, I think I heard Marks is probably going to be fine this week. Marks, I haven't heard much. Uh, we did Jason something. Washington said, I've got it literally right here. Woody has been fantastic. He's good and ready to go. He was biting at the bit last week, trying to get out there and play. We had to take his helmet and pads and stuff from him so he wouldn't try to play. So I think he's fine. They just decided that it's not worth risking re-aggravating it against Bowling Green. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think Dollar Bill's fine. I have not – obviously, he very well could not be because they don't tell us. But uh, I think kind of like a Jaton paid situation, if it was at least that serious, we it would get out. Well, that, that does let us do our, our favorite thing on this show, and that's get offensive linemen names and positions wrong. Um, and Colton gets it very It won't happen while I'm here. It won't happen while I'm on the – If I we have any down. issue, we will, we will let Colton take care of it. Yeah. You know, if we, we have a question about one of the Jones uh, – Nick Colton. Jones. Nick Jones has played at left tackle in the last game and played played well. Also, we started to see Stephen Lasoya get into the mix, and he played pretty well. After I believe right. Percy Lewis kind of had a rough series there um, when when he was first asked to come into the game, but they made those switches with Jones and Lasoya in, and the line held up. I mean, obviously, you want Dollar Bill Johnson out there. He's played pretty well at left tackle to this point of the season. Um, hopefully, he's healthy and can be back out there, but. It did look like Jones could handle that role pretty well, which, look, you got a good A&M defense you're going up against. You need that uh, to be settled when that game uh, kicks off on Saturday. So now – Right now you've got uh, you've got your starters. LaSoya uh, is your backup. Reese is another backup. So those seven are who you're going to roll with. And everybody can move around except Sharp probably, and I don't think they'd move Dollar Bill around if he's either going to play left tackle or he's not going to be in the game at that point. But Cam Jones, Albert Reese, LaSoya, who's your backup center, Nick Jones, they can all move around. And so you've got seven seven competent bodies. Of course, you might there might be an eighth or ninth person that you throw in there randomly. And I did want to say LaSoya is pretty good. He has not played a ton because he is a, at a key position in that he's the backup center. And you don't want to get him hurt playing left guard or something, and then suddenly Sharp, when Sharp can't snap, you have nobody. So Lasoya has been used used like he's the ninth or tenth best lineman, when really he's probably the sixth or seventh. Yeah, that was a big addition for State. And, you know, there was so much talk in the offseason about being able to go out and get a big-time starter at tackle, which State, what they missed on, they didn't get. And I, I remember when you added the Soya, there was some kind of like, yeah, it's great to add a body, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who was at Middle Tennessee State. Like, how how much does that help you? It, like, it wasn't a transfer addition that got people particularly excited, but I think we saw last week, like, I know it's Bowling Green, but 
he he played pretty well in that game, um, and he he should be a good asset for State. Hey, people were excited about Percy Lewis, but Percy Lewis didn't get uh, Steve Lasoya didn't get run all over by Bowling Green. Very true. Very true. So now it's time to talk about one of our favorite teams in the SEC, who happens to come to town this weekend. Um, the the Colt is on the way. The Texas A&M fighting Aggies, gig them, everything else they say, you know, beat the hell out of whoever and sticking thumbs up and wearing milkman outfits and having fences kids. Yeah. Fringy uh, yell practices because they have to practice how to cheer before every single game. The, the, yeah. You like you, you mentioned the children of Nick Fitzgerald. They are why, on their way. Why are they so weird? Do they, can anybody, I, I want to hear your, your, theory your explanation your hypothesis why is AM so weird Daniel has been Texas should Texas. Speak here. so i am the child of an aggie um so you know i grew up around this stuff and you know when i was a kid thought it was cool that you know they all locked their arms at one part in the fight song you know all that uh, and then when I was 15 years old, uh, it's, let's see, it's the day before Thanksgiving, A&M is playing LSU on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, Mississippi State is set to play Ole Miss and the one of the biggest egg bowls ever, right? Uh, number four versus like, what, 17 or whatever Ole Miss was ranked. Um, but like Thanksgiving was that day was A&M and LSU. And my mom was like, oh, hey, let's go to midnight Yale practice. I said, Okay. This dude has seen it. I was like, what in the world did I just watch? Like, and that's why that right, that traumatic experience is why you are the way you are. (laughs) I mean, I thought I was pretty crazy here in Mississippi State, but dang gum. I I would have to just hypothesize and look, I, I hate Texas too, because their fans are just arrogant and obnoxious and like very it's very unfounded with the opinions that they hold i mean they're Ole Miss fans but it's Ole Miss if Ole Miss like 10 years ago was actually good and that that makes them worse but i would have to say that i feel like that aggie derangement has to come from just decades and decades of being absolutely owned by uh as they call them texas university so i i feel like that's probably where it comes from when, when you spend but, your entire life just being massacred uh by by the it's like it's like when you have awful parents or an awful big brother or something and they lock you in your room and they like act like feeding you, like you getting fed as a privilege or something like that. And you just live under their thumb for like 18 years. And then you just come out all kind of weird and you, you know, like to poke cats with sticks for fun or something like that. That's what A&M is as a entire micro society, we'll call them. I'm, I just imagine them poking cats with sticks, and I found that very humorous. Um, I bet look, they would do that, like LSU week. They go poke cat tigers like cats with sticks because probably would. Um, but we, like we said this earlier, this is a huge game. Um, you've got a big stretch coming up of these next three weeks that are going to define the season. And I know this has been a topic of discussion this week. Really, you know, kind of define Mike Leach's career. Um. This is obviously the breakthrough season. This is the year where you're supposed to show that, you know, his vision here, his whole process, the Mike Leach experience is going to pay off. And you're going to get state to a point where you're consistently winning, you know, eight games a year, going to good bowl games, jumping up, having the good seasons and, you know, kind of getting the program 
back to a level you were under Dan Mullen, just taking a more unconventional route to that. And obviously, you know, the progress ha has been on track with what he did at his other stops, but you haven't reached that point yet. And there is, a, you know, some reluctance from a lot of the fan base to buy in and get on board with that. And now it's kind of the put up or shut up time. And, you know, these next three games, we kind of talked about for state to stay on track with where they need to be in the season, they probably need to go two and one. And by that standards, that means that this is not technically a must win. But in terms of being able to build momentum and have confidence that you would be able to get two of these three, um, or, I mean, by God, if you can get three, that's awesome. Um, but being able to have that buy-in and that momentum and just get the fan base on board and get everyone's – when you know, when Arkansas comes to town next week, even with the 11 a.m. game, everyone's like, we are excited for this football program. We have a chance to get a big win. You really got to be able to start it. And, like, you get this game at home. This is a team that you know you were capable of beating. You went to their place and beat them last year. Um, they're a disaster offensively. Their defense is pretty good, but you, like you, you should be able to trust that with an experienced offense, you can handle your business. Mike Leach really needs to be able to win this game. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, the Anum's defense is capable of making big plays. I mean, such as you saw a week ago when they played Arkansas, uh, they they turned what was about to be what like a three yard touchdown from uh, KJ Jefferson into a ninety nine yard punt, uh, uh, scoop and score. It was, you know, explosive on the defense, and that made the that made the ultimate difference, right? And then also a lucky lucky bounce on the uh, off the upright uh, was was that difference. But you're right, their defense is solid. Uh, they know how to make plays, but they're not perfect, right? They're still going to give up points uh, down near the stretch, and that offense. I mean, yeah, they have no business putting up points on anybody. Um, and especially on the road, uh, loud, hostile environment. It's it's going to be a big, big opportunity. And is Max Johnson still the starter, or did they uh, give that job back to Haynes King? No, I think they're going to roll with Johnson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Johnson, he, he came in a year ago with the not-so-great LSU team and found a way to get a win uh, with some deep balls uh, that, that beat us there. So, I mean, this isn't new to him. He was in Davis Wade a year ago. So that'll be that'll be something interesting to watch. Um, but you know, I think it depends on just if AM can stretch the field, if the receivers can get open downfield. Yeah, and a, a big thing I would say for this, I, I put this in the notes and I skipped over it. You know, I with this stretch coming up, it, it's very easy. Like I think there was a lot of outside opinions of part of the reason we saw people kind of lower on Mississippi State this year was the schedule where the schedule is very difficult. Like, yeah, like they were okay last year. They have a lot of experience, but like there's so many teams in the schedule that we just trust more. And I, there was a time where I kind of thought like, man, there is a world where this team gets better and they kind of still end up around seven wins. And like, what would that mean? But the more I've thought about it, like that's kind of just life in the SEC. And especially when you consider where the league is about to head to when Oklahoma and Texas join, you're going to go to nine conference games. Um, I mean, I know they're still technically voting and figuring out. We all know what's inevitably going to happen. It'll be an extra conference game. And we make jokes about Texas all we want. Like, that's still a team that has talent. And Oklahoma has legitimately been good. Like, I know we – there, you know, there's some teams state may get off the schedule every single year. But, hey, you're playing Georgia this year. Georgia's going to be a part of the rotation much more frequently. You're going to play Florida more. You're going to play Tennessee more. It looks like they're getting their act together your life's not going to get easier. So if you want to have confidence in Mike Leach getting this done, you kind of need to show this year that 
yeah, I know it's one of the toughest schedules in the country, but I could still go out and win eight games. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that it's just like you said, life in the SEC, uh, nothing easy about it. Uh, and, you know, there's a reason we're called the, the seller dwellers. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty good in most conferences, but down here uh, we're, we've always been at the bottom, but Hey, uh, being at the bottom of the SEC doesn't mean you're a horrible football team. And, you know, this is the most talented team we've seen since Mike Leach came uh, and, and has the capability, right? We beat AM last year, but you just never know with this kind of game. But if we want to look at uh, at AM's schedule of what they've done so far, you know, it's not been it's not been entirely too impressive, right? Their first game, I don't know if any of you guys watched that. Uh, it was an 11 a.m. kickoff on the first Saturday of the season. And so I had it on the TV, and, I mean, right away, what we talked about the offense against Sam Houston State, horrible team. Uh, they they barely moved the football. They it almost turned into a punting battle, and it wasn't until after a uh, a big lightning delay that they uh, they eventually got together. It's like, oh hey, this is a severely inferior opponent. Let's do something, and uh, they won thirty one nothing. But then you know, a week later, we saw the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Uh, go into College Station and get a big, big win, uh, 17 to 14. And, you know, people thought, all right, AM is going to be a really bad team. And, Andrew, I think we talked about it. If, uh, they, if they didn't beat Miami, they were potential going, what, one and five was uh, part of the potential of what they could have done. It, I, I think Peter Burns put it out there on Twitter like a two and seven start was totally within reason for that team if yeah. they couldn't beat Miami. And, I mean, they slugged out that win, um, thanks in large part to the fact that I, I said this on, like, the last show we did. Mario Cristobal insisted on kicking field goals down multiple touchdowns all throughout the second half because he's a super conservative coach who doesn't maximize the talent that he recruits, which that's Jimbo Fisher as well, um, which we have now seen Miami is not particularly good either. Um, yeah, after they get dominated home to MTSU um, – and look, obviously, they get the win and they bounce back with a nice win against Arkansas, but they were very fortunate to get that win. I think I saw SP Plus postgame win expectancy for Arkansas was around 70%. Like, Arkansas should have won that game. Um, obviously, for A&M's sake, it's just important they get the win and find a way to be able to move on from it. But this isn't a great team, and you feel like you should be able to get them home. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, and there's a reason why, even though Texas A&M is a ranked team right now in the top 20, Mississippi State is a four-point favorite, uh, according to Vegas right now. And even on, if I had to guess, the FPI on ESPN, they'd probably have State as a favorite. I'm checking that right now. Or maybe not. I can't remember the last time I checked. Oh, yeah. Um, FBI, Mississippi State's a 68.7% chance at winning. Um, yeah, it's... The, the dogs are favored to to win it and they're they're they should win it but you know should you say you should do a lot of things right instead we should have beat lsu we didn't do that uh there's a lot of things that we could and should have done we just didn't but you know going back to AM, colton you had a few things marked on uh about their offense and their defense you want to talk about that i did uh, kind of uh, most of it we can get into when we actually uh, break down offense and defense well, specifically. I, I was actually going to ask you though, like before we start breaking down, like what are you? I mean, you, I know you said you don't want to make the show about you, but you are here. We want to let you talk. So I'm like, 
I mean, obviously, just overall opinions and overall thoughts going into this game. Just, I mean, where do you stand on, you know, this matchup and A&M? So, so, so I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. So I, I did, you know, some tangential, some tertiary, some a uh, little bit of research this today. And I thought, I was like, you know, this is a and i A&M. I'm thinking really good defensive line is what, is what comes to mind. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to have to block. I'm sure they got a lot of sacks. And I go and look. Andrew, don't tell everybody that I'd text you to ask how many sacks they were. I was driving when I was thinking about this. I didn't want to look it up. You were lucky and, I'd uh, literally just done the research. but They they don't have – they're talented. They're young but talented. They don't have a ton of sacks. So I thought, huh, this is past defense that's uh, ranked so highly, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it seems like it's on the back end. And then, then I, was, I remembered you also reminded me that that's kind of DJ Jerkins' uh, big thing. Was, you know, he plays – with strong back seven, so to speak. So I got to thinking about all those things. I also wanted to think about how terrible this offense is. And when I say terrible, uh, it's worse than it looks, okay? And this is what I mean by that. They have changed Max Johnson in at quarterback. Other than interceptions, and again, I do think that he is – a better quarterback than Haynes King. The numbers don't bear that out, though, because other than interceptions, he has a way worse uh, quarterback rating, takes more sacks, a lower completion percentage, uh, and and not as good of a rusher as Haynes King. Now, part of that's because they played Miami and Arkansas uh, with Max Johnson versus Appalachian State and Sam Houston uh, with Haynes King. With all that being said, you're gonna, I'm sure you're going to talk about Jimbo's offense later, so I'm not going to get into all that. But talented as he is, Max Johnson is not a quarterback that's going to carry a team on his back and win a game. It's not going to happen. We talk about big plays with this defense especially. First of all, I think Mississippi State's been better at limiting the big plays uh, this year, a lot better. Not that it's a, it will always, always, always be a weakness with the aggressive style of defense that Zach Garnett plays. Big plays, are you are susceptible to that. AM, when they don't have a big play, absolutely unable to function. I do think you pointed that out, um, and we'll talk about it later in the, sh- in the show. But one thing I wanted to add to that is you got to contain A-Chain because a lot of those big plays comes to him. The rest of those big plays, I just went through all their drives. I counted maybe one that wasn't to either A-Chain or Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith's gone. Uh, I think you've got uh, – and it depends on what you call a big play. I'm calling it I'm, – I'm saying electric play, like 20 yards or more. Uh, you've got a couple in there. I think Haynes – I think I think Johnson had a scramble for almost that many yards against Arkansas, uh, which is not in his wheelhouse, really. It was surprising. But um, that is something that is – is if you can contain the big play – contain A-chain, limit the big plays, I don't think Texas A&M is going to be able to move the ball. We are, without a doubt, uh, the best defense they've seen all year. And if you had any doubt, first of all, Arkansas is the worst pass defense in the country, so let's just throw them out. If you had any doubt that uh, Miami was any was is a better defense than us, watch what Middle Tennessee State did to them. They absolutely torched. If you watch that game, every time I turn, I flip the channel of that game, there's like an 80-yard bomb. Just uh, So they haven't had a test like this. We're the first road game for A&M. I think that's very important. Uh, last thing I do want to say, I'll go ahead and knock this out so we don't have to talk about it later. 
is special teams. They kick touchbacks. They've had one return all year. Don't don't expect Tulu to bust one in this game. It'll happen at some point this this year. Uh, it's not it's not going to be Saturday. Their coverage on punts is really good too. They haven't had many punt returns. Their punter is really really good. But when they do ours is too. But when they do have punt uh, returns, they don't go very far. So you have to contain them on special teams uh, because you're not going to get much from yours, even though they've been, ours, ours have been playing better. One thing I will point out, Anaya Smith, who we know is out, took has taken every punt this year thus far. So whoever's out there trying to catch a punt amongst a thousand cowbells, um, a thousand, <laughs> a thousand. I think I've shortened it by about. I'm shortening it by about forty-nine, fifty-two thousand cowbells. Let us say, yeah, you're you're a few thousand, nope. few thousand short. But um, whoever's out there trying to catch a punt amongst that, it will be his first time this year. Might be his first time in his college career that he's returned a punt. So that's interesting. I think uh, should there could there be some shenanigans around there? But other than that, you've get on special teams. Obviously, make your kicks, but you've got to kick touchbacks this weekend. Off chain, a chain. His, his name is pronounced, is pronounced different every time. I don't know what it is. Uh, we all were calling him something last year. Then, like, the end of the year, they said, oh, by the way, my name's not that. It's this. And I'm like, oh, my God. Anyway, he has uh, cribbed a kick already this year. Got to contain him on kicks. And you got to contain him, obviously, within the, within the offense. And then make sure the best way to do that on kicks is we kick touchbacks. Best way to do that on offense, when he's on offense, is just run what you run because we have a really, really good rush defense. Uh, so, yeah, limit big, big plays, both in the return game and uh, offensively, and I think you've got a good time, uh, a good chance to win this game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on a lot of that. Let's dive into that A&M offense just a little bit because, uh, yeah, it's been bad. Um, the word I would use is abysmal. And th- this is the thing that I, – I remember Richard Cross brought this up a few weeks ago after they lost to App State on their show – um, for Sports Talk Mississippi, like, he was he was kind of blown away at the number of, like, people in sports media and college football media who, like, were just coming aware to the fact that, like, what Jimbo Fisher does on offense is stupid in this era of the sport. And, like, he like he was like, why is this a conversation? Like, we've known this. But, it like, I mean, it still needs to be said. Like, his teams play slow, and he runs a system that's too complex for the majority of the college quarterbacks that he's had. And considering where the rules in the sport are that like doing things that way minimizes your talent. You were not, or it doesn't maximize the talent that you have. It doesn't, it doesn't help you that much to go out and resign the classes that he's been able to sign. If you're going to, excuse me, if you're going to run an archaic system and do things like playing so slow and running a lot of plays that just aren't easy. Get like, there are so many get open plays in college football. Like, you run this and you will score points. And he refuses to do it because he believes in his system, which I know there's people rolling their eyes. Like, here's Mike Leach believes in his system and stuff. But, like, we're going to talk about like A&M and their pace. They are 126 in the nation in terms of the total number of plays that, it, that they've run. And of the teams that have played four games, because there's a few teams that have only played three, they rank in the bottom. They are the very last in terms of total number of plays ran. So I guess that would have to mean that they are – probably dead last in plays per game. I didn't look at the ex- exact number of snaps they've taken, but you you can't do that. And in, in this era of the sport, like every, I, I know there are people who are like, you know, it's stupid that we go like, uh, you know, we're going so fast and the defense doesn't have a chance and, oh, you're risking injury. It is literally statistically proven that if you are, especially if you are the team that has talent, you should be running as many plays as you can possibly run because 
the more plays you run, that means more opportunities for your talent to beat out lesser talent on the other side. And that means you're getting more plays in the game where you're able to wear down on the team with lesser talent and put up numbers. But he continues to play slow. He continues to do stuff that's tough for his quarterbacks. There's a reason Jameis Winston is the only guy to really make it big. And I know Jameis Winston is making himself look like the Tampa Jameis Winston. I don't like that as a Saints fan, but he was a great college quarterback. I mean, there's no getting around it. So it's been bad. Um, They've gotten a little bit better since they made the switch from Haynes team to Max Johnson, but really that's just that they aren't turning the ball over as much. He's safer with the football, but, and they're bad. Um, 21 points per game ranks 108th nationally, but they have a couple non-offensive touchdowns. And if you take those out, the offense is literally responsible for less than 18 points per game. That is. Would you, would you like me to tell you, because I just did it, the number of points per game, offensive points per game, not against an FCS team? Ooh, I didn't even consider that. Yes. 13.67. That's, yeah. Um, and look, I mean, Sam Houston State's a good FCS program, but if you're Texas A&M, you should beat that team by 60. Um, and the, and the they did not they, sustain a single drive against Sam Houston State. Every single not. score came from a busted play. We're, we're going to talk about that. So, yeah, like 13 points per game against non-FCS competition. That's they're not good. They, they, they are Iowa with five stars. That is what they are. And if you look at the total offense, 323 yards per game, also 108 nationally. 6.1 yards per play isn't bad. But as I just talked about, when you're snapping the ball and you're literally – they ran less than 40 plays against App State. When you're snapping the ball with no time left and you're trying to just burn clock because you, you want to go slow to make sure that you're getting your right play in there, like, what are you doing? And it's just – I mean, I shouldn't be mad about it. I mean, I, I'm not mad about it. I'm just going to drag it because I think it's hilarious how poor they are with it. Um, they, I mean, they're not really good on third down, 76th in the country, third down percentage, 38%. And Colton was just sort of reliant, talking about this, super reliant on hitting big plays. They have 12 scoring drives on the season. Ten of those featured a play of at least 20, 20 yards. That's 83%. They've scored nine offensive touchdowns on the season. Eight of those touchdown drives, they had that they needed a play of 20 plus yards. That's 89%. Now I understand that if you go over a long drive, there is a decent chance you'll hit one big play. Like that does happen for teams. And like this year, state, a lot of our touchdowns have come on big plays. But we also have seen Mississippi State go on long sustained drives where they're not needing to, you know, just, you know, oh, if we don't hit a big play, we're screwed here. I mean, this was super evident in the Arkansas game. Like that is the only thing that let their offense work. So, I mean, yeah, they're just rough. And I think Colton kind of talked about this. If you prevent the big play defensively, you've you've probably locked them down. Yeah, and, you know, looking at Max Johnson and his stats as a starter, uh, he's only completing 51% uh, of his passes. He's averaging 145 yards a game. He's throwing two touchdowns. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. And 7.1 yards per attempt. He's not the same runner that Hans King was promised to be, uh, but he can he can scramble some, right? If if the pocket is forced to collapse, but you know what what you've seen from him is not just uh, bad passing, but I mean they're 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 receiving their their core has not been good, and we talked about this earlier. Uh, Nye Smith is out for the year, and he's the guy who would help them stretch the field out. 
you know, you could you don't know if they're going to run the ball with with a chain or or if uh, he's going to throw it deep to Nye Smith because he'll find a way to get open. That's what he was really good at, and he was a really versatile player that that helped that AM offense uh, really these last few years. I mean, you know, two years ago when they were when they were competing for the playoff, Anaya Smith was a huge part of that team. But now you're really just looking at five-star. He's predators. been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. He's been there a while. Um, and now, you know, in receiving, you got five-star freshman Evan Stewart. He's got 13 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. But, you know, not much else is, is big and, you know, showing out. It's just kind of – it's kind of – Sad to see. I mean, just like Andrew just said, you know, not going to hate on it because we want it. We want it to be that bad for this coming football game. But yeah, it is just, it's sad to see. It's tough to watch. Again, they're Iowa five stars and like the receiver development has not been there. Um, and that's part of why like, you, they've got some guys who should be playmakers and they just haven't done a good job coaching them up. But some of that goes back to Jimbo Fisher trying to ask way too much of his quarterbacks. Um, though, I mean, the, look, the saving grace for them offensively is Devin A. Chain at running back. He's a big-time player. He's averaging 89 yards per game, five-and-a-half yards per carry. He does have three touchdowns, and he's also – he had a kickoff return touchdown against App State. He does have a, a receiving touchdown in the season as well. And he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him be a bigger part of the receiving game against Mississippi State, given that they don't have Smith. I mean, he, he's a speedster. He's a shifty guy. He's the type of guy where – he can take a play that looks dead and turn it into a 60-yard run, which is going to be big for Mississippi State to contain that because that's the only way A&M is able to consistently score. Outside of him, they really don't get anything going in the ground game. Um, and and you, you mentioned it. Johnson has scrambled a little bit. I mean, he's, he's over three yards per attempt, which, okay. Like, I mean, it, he can make a few plays with his legs, but he's not a guy who's going to kill you at their running. Um, they're pretty mediocre in, along the offensive line. Uh, with, with Johnson's – I know he can't kill you with your legs. They don't have Anaya Smith. With Johnson's completion percentage, I'd just as soon leave him in the pocket. Obviously try to sack him. But, like, not the Jaden Daniels treatment, obviously. Off-schedule Max Johnson, not running, but off-schedule throwing. I think he made some plays against Arkansas. It's probably his best game. I would, again, I don't know how much coaches actually scheme to try to keep a guy in the pocket versus and sack him or, you know, just do what run what you normally do. And if he escapes, you know, play coverage, do whatever. But I think they they would it would behoove us to make him be a pocket passer and beat you because again, I, we saw him he was a little bit better at LSU, I think so far. I think this offense just kind of handicaps him. Fifty less than fifty two percent. Like let make him be a gunslinger, make him try to be uh, a surgeon, a surgeon with the ball. I don't think he can, especially with Anaya Smith out. And no, uh, don't spy him. Uh, definitely don't spy him or anything like that. That'd be that'd be stupid. But if you can find a way to keep him, try to try to make him beat you with his arm. I don't think he'll be able to do it. No, I, I totally agree. And you talked about that L- when he was LSU last year. He was throwing to Kayshawn Booty. He was throwing to LSU's receivers, and he doesn't have that group. But Against Mississippi State, that was kind of a theme where on a play-by-play basis, LSU really didn't get anything going in that game. It was there were a few times where State would send pressure and couldn't get home. Johnson was able to evade it and could hit the plays downfield. Also, because Zach Garnett likes to put safeties on elite receivers. That's I would play coverage do. in this game more often. I wouldn't blitz as much as I'm used to. 
No, I mean, to, to look ahead to keys to the game, like, I think it's very much you need to sell out to stop the run, find a way to stop A-Chain, and just keep multiple guys on him, and then force uh, Johnson to try to beat you over the top. I, I don't think you can. Real quick on the, their offensive line, um, Adams had a good unit in the past. They're not great this year. They're, they're okay at pass blocking, but you can stuff them some in the run game. They're giving up six tackles for loss a game. So for a Mississippi State uh, defense that does so well in stopping the run, and obviously like they haven't faced a back as good as A-Chain yet, that's going to be a big thing to watch. And I actually saw a point looking at a, a Bill Connolly, who, again, I reference all the time with SP+. He does some of his post-game some of the post-game stuff he puts out, like, you know, here's a breakdown of the game. And one of the notes he made is it's pretty impressive that Devin A-Chain is averaging five and a half yards per carry when the defenses do not respect them throwing the ball at all. Like, it's not going to be new from if Mississippi State goes to this game trying to stop the run. They fully anticipate that that's what they're going to go after. And he's still a good player. So, if you're State, you have to find a way. But to- even even A-Chain then, like, he great player. Great player. He's getting that average because it'll be – three yards, four yards, negative a yard, two yards, and then 60 yards. You just can't let him get loose. That brings the average up to five and a half yards per carry. That was what he did against us last year. Uh, you saw, as far as rushing defense goes, Mississippi State played AM very well. But if you just look at the stat sheet, it's like, oh, 140 yards rushing. AM had a pretty good game. But three, I think it came on like three, three plays. A, a team that you would think with uh, at that time Isaiah Spiller and a Achain is going to be committed to running the ball with Zach Calzada as your quarterback. Come on, uh, despite being committed to running the ball, they couldn't do it against us last year. And I don't. And it's the same offense with a marginally better quarterback, the same run, one of the same two running backs, but less overall talent running back and a worse offensive line. Yeah, when we bring back everybody on that defense. Any other thoughts on their offense, Daniel? That's just bad. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm also uh, just the record preoccupied. You know, we we unfortunately are about to lose our volleyball game to uh, Auburn. No, that's the match they just won. So, I mean, Auburn is still undefeated, but that's kind of uh, having a letdown year. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a uh, you know switch in sports really quick. Last year wasn't like a one-hit wonder. Um, you know, Darty is still a very talented coach, but there was a lot of talent lost. And it's hard to carry momentum from one year to the next uh, with such a long offseason. But I uh, just got to find uh, one of those leaders on the team to, to really pick it up. But, but that's all for that. And offense is – Anim's offense just eh. Yeah. I did want to point out not a ton of turnovers, two fumbles, two interceptions. Yeah, no, I mean part of that's part of that's to your point, they don't run enough plays. It, it it's Jimbo fit well, they protect the ball pretty well. I, I literally I kind of keep making the comparison to Iowa. Part of Iowa's strategy is to say we're gonna just grind out a game and trust that our opponents make a mistake. That's kind of what AM has done. Like they Miami made mistakes or wasted opportunities. Mario Cristobal made stupid decisions. Arkansas made a crucial mistake. AM hasn't played completely clean on the season, but part of when you play that way is trusting that our guys will play a clean game, which for Mississippi State, that's obviously a big thing to watch, given that that's been an issue. Let's talk about the part of the, the side of the Aggies team that isn't terrible. 
they're pretty good on defense. Actually, really good. DJ Durkin comes over from Ole Miss. Obviously, that's a guy State fans are going to be familiar with. And we're going to talk more about Durkin later on in this show. But right now, they're number eight in the country, giving up 11.8 points per game. They're in 30 yards per game allowed. Uh, they're 21st nationally, 4.6 yards per play. And specifically where they're great is in their pass defense. 10th ranked in the country, 153 yards per game allowed, which, hey, going up against a team that likes to throw the football, that's, that's certainly something to watch. Now, their run defense has not been good. They are giving up 177 yards per game, which is 104th in the country. I, I, I do want to ask you guys, can State do anything with that? Because obviously it's a, it's a topic that's been – talked about constantly, you know, Mississippi State in this run game. And we have seen State try to run the football more this year. And early in games, it's been effective because the approach of pretty much every defense that we face coming in is we're assuming these guys are just going to sling it. We're dropping back, and we're not even going to consider they might run. State typically gets a couple drives where they run the ball decently well, and then defenses have adjusted to where they it's kind of like they just know when it's coming. And even if they only have five men in the box, they've been able to stop it. Now, uh, we really didn't see State try to run it at all against Bowling Green because they didn't have to. But, I mean, even going back to, like, Memphis and Arizona, teams that you should be able to sort of overpower, they had success once they started keying in. So against a team like A&M that has talent, they haven't been good at stopping the run. But do you guys think that this the ground game could be something State leans on? I, I, something I want to say, I, I wanted to say something about this. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier today when I decided I was going to be able to make the show. First things first is the same things that make you bad at stopping the run can make you bad at stopping the extensions of the run that we that we use, like the shovel pass and sling passes, slip screens, those kinds of things. So that comes into play, uh, first of all. So all those passes that are really runs could be affected by this stat right here. One thing I noticed, though, when you defense Mississippi State, your – rankings isn't the right word, but where you stack up as far as how good you do X, Y, or Z tenant of defense, you can kind of go out the window. The one thing I'll say is if, if your passing defense is really bad, Arkansas, for example, you can probably expect to have a tough, tough day. I would go so far as to say, though, is your, if you're passing, like somebody, people might say, oh, their passing game is like 75th. We shred that. You need to be like top 10 in pass defense to have a chance against us. I don't buy that that's true. Our offense is so different that the same things that makes you bad at stopping the veer and shoot that you see every week or a spread offense doesn't necessarily translate to making you bad at stopping uh, the air raid and vice versa. We saw last year A&M, I think, number one in pass defense last year when we played them, something like that. I remember being nervous about it, and then we shredded them. Uh, in fact, the only thing that kept us – from scoring more points on against AM was red zone offense got a little tricky and we ended up just having to score from further out in some cases. Uh, you had to set up for a field goal. You had that one drive where you thought AM was going to win the game because <laughs> sack, penalty, penalty, push field goal back, missed field goal. I think everybody remembers that. So as far as AM this year goes, you know, if you could, if, and by the same argument I just made about passing defense, you can say the same thing about the rush defense because our rushing attack when it is there is so different. Maybe the 104th isn't anything to put any stock into, and maybe they're going to be able to bottle us up running the ball and we're going to have to throw it. But the things about our running game, other than five five linemen, five down linemen, one quarterback, run running back, takes a handoff and goes, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the, the, the things that make that, that – uh, about a defense that might make them bad at defending that will also 
could make them bad at defending, you know, the screen passes, the dump offs, things like that. You do have a good point there with the screen pass and stuff. Daniel, you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, well, you know, keep it to to what we've been doing, right, the Arizona and LSU game. State started with a a very strong rushing touchdown, uh, both of them from from Woody Marks, right? Arizona was like a 10-yard run or 12-yard run. LSU was like a 25-yard run, right? Uh, Get it when they're not expecting it. And maybe this time around, AM will be expecting it. We don't know. Uh, as teams start to adjust to the Mississippi State offense, like it, it, the Mississippi State offense is evolving, but so are opposing defenses, right? To to try and get and just to go with Colton's point, right? Different different schemes work differently against different teams, and yeah, the 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 running game could be established. I mean, Dylan Johnson still has looked fairly strong and is still fighting for extra yards every play. I mean, um, you know, when he did run the ball against Bowling Green, it was good. He had a huge 40-yard play that that gave us a little bit of momentum to get a touchdown. And, I, yeah, it's something it's something to take a look at. I mean, you know, there's no one else I'd trust to uh, call the plays and the guy calling the plays right now on his little uh, index sheet. But, you know, I trust Mike to do it uh, more than myself. That's for certain. And – if he wants to use the run game, I'll trust him with it. Yeah. No, look, I, I definitely think if they're giving you the look to run early in the game, you have to try it because you know that's a place where they're weak. Um, my big thing has just been in recent weeks, like if it stops working, you got to get back to what is your bread and butter, and that's the passing game. And it felt, it felt like, especially against LSU, State kept trying to cling to the fact of, well, it's a light box and we ran well earlier, so we need to try the run here. And it's LSU got to a point where they were shutting it down and just blowing stuff up. Some of that's the offensive line. Some of that is, I mean, look, if you want to be critical of the offense, I typically am not because I know I'm more the one who's in favor of it. But some of that goes back to the fact that like, it's not a diverse run game. It's a very, very simple look of like, you know, we're going to run zone. We have that toss play to the outside in the case we'll run a draw. So teams can kind of key in on some of that stuff. But uh, if you're not executing up front, like you're not going to be able to have success with it though. So, um, look, I, that's a place where A&M has been beat. Some of that is that DJ Durkin does like to play back. And he kind of invites teams to, you know, run the ball. And that, you know, sort of when, the, the idea is we trust our talent up front to be able to get off blocks and make a tackle, but they haven't shown the ability to do that. So hopefully you can hit some of that in this game. Um, they have been occasionally susceptible on third down, giving up 34%, which I know that doesn't sound like a big number, but if you talk about a good defense, you would typically expect a little bit more than that. That's kind of just average. Um, kind of surprising. They're not super disruptive. Um, they only have six sacks in the season, 18 tackle for loss, and they've only first forced four turnovers. And again, I kind of talked about some of that is that DJ Durkin is not a guy who sends a lot of pressure. He kind of just sits back in zone. Um, I'm going to steal a phrase from Bud Elliott of 247 sports. They play red zone roulette, which basically means like we'll stop you when you get in the red zone. And his teams have been able to do that. It now, you talk about their defensive line because obviously this is something we're always going to talk about with Mississippi State. How does the defensive line match up? They've got a ton of talent. I think I think this past year, look, the number one signing class, they had like five five-star freshmen, which was ridiculous. They were just defensive linemen. But the key word there is freshmen. They're young up front. And they haven't been super disruptive on the season. And, like, I went back and watched against Arkansas. And to be fair, Arkansas's offensive line is really, really good. But – and there were a few times AM's defensive front made some good plays in that game. But on a play-by-play basis, Arkansas was winning up front. Now, 
I, I can't compare to them because their offensive line is a lot better than ours. But I, I was going to say, like, if I went into this game and it's like they're constantly getting pressure with three against Arkansas, that would scare me a ton. They, they did pull it off a couple times. But some of that is, uh, you know, there were a few times K.J. Jefferson held onto the ball too long, which we, we've seen that before. Uh, and I, I do I, – I guess the point I'm trying to get to here is they got a lot of talent. And, if look, if those guys step up, then maybe it's a tough day for us because we know the offensive line struggles. But – I don't think it's the same situation as it was against LSU where LSU's got legitimate All-Americans along their defensive line. And I, that's why I knew going into that game, like, that's going to be a problem for us. A&M's got guys who could be to that level, but they're not there yet. And I think you can do a better job of protecting Will Rogers in this game. Um, the strength of the team definitely, though, is on the back end. They, they drop back into like a you know seven, eight-man coverage consistently. And I mentioned they don't have a lot of interceptions. I think they have 18 pass breakups on the season, which is a decent amount to have. Um, but kind of their, their thing is that they just trust that they're going to clog up passing lanes and you're not going to have anywhere to go with the football. And kind of the guy leading that charge is their nickelback, Antonio Johnson. He has nine and a half tackles per game, which is kind of ridiculous. He also has a sack. Um, another name to look for, Chris Russell Jr., who's one of their linebackers. He's tied for the team leading sacks with one and a half. And he also is the second leading tackler. So, a lot of talented pieces on the A&M defense. Again, they play good pass defense, but I, I do go back to Colton's point where I do think it's definitely fair to say, like, you know, with our offense, just because you play really good pass defense doesn't necessarily mean you're going to show it against us because what we do is a lot different than other teams. And I would also point out the passing games that A&M has seen this season aren't super prolific. Um, you know, Sam Houston State – You thought Miami State, would be. I think so – I think some of that goes back to Cristobal, to be fair. Tyler Van Dyke, I think is like I still think he's a really good player. Uh, I think their top receiver was out against AM, which also played a role there. But Cristobal is super conservative with what he does offensively. Arkansas, KJ Jefferson had a pretty good day. He completed 63% of his passes at like nine yards per attempt, a couple touchdowns, didn't throw a pick, but should have thrown a pick. He had a couple passes that were bad. But um I do think that's a different situation given the way they set things up with their ground game where you have to try to take that into account. Um, but, you know, as Colton pointed out last year, I mean, A&M was a really good pass defense and Will Rogers threw for 400 yards. Now, A&M fans are putting that on Mike Elko. And now I do want to talk about something as we wrap up talking about their defense because A&M fans have a narrative that is going out there. And it's funny we're talking about this to, to state fans, so it's not like we're teaching anybody anything who doesn't know what doesn't already know what we're talking about. But there's no A and M fans here for us to lecture to. But there's this narrative that DJ Durkin knows how to shut down the air raid, and the perspective from A and M fans. And I, I will be fair to them because I understand that if you are not watching a team closely and you're not a fan and you don't know the context, if you just see the box score and you just, or even if you watch last year's Egg Bowl and you know none of the context around it and you just see State had its struggles offensively, you're going to say, wow, that defense is tearing them up. We kind of know the reality, though. Like, D.J. Durkin's not the reason that the air raid had – saying he shut down the air raid through two games is not the right way to look at D it. D.J. Durkin was there in 2020, right? He was. And by Ole okay, Miss's standards – that was... That's Will Rogers' career high in, as a freshman, career high in yards and the most yards Memphis. anybody's ever thrown for in an egg bowl. Did he get more than 444 against Memphis? He had 440 against Ole Miss. He had 450 against Memphis. Okay. It's still the Egg Bowl record. I'll leave it alone. 
No, no. I'll leave that alone. Thank you for that. It, well, no, look, 440 passing yards allowed is still a huge day. And, look, I, again, I understand that Ole Miss defense sucked. So, for them, holding a team to 24 points is like that was a big deal for that team. Let's keep in mind, State should have had another touchdown. If not for an Austin Williams fumble at the goal line, State puts 30 on the board and probably wins that game. And that was also a terrible State offense. The State offense wasn't good. And, like, I think with this offense, it doesn't – with this offense, when you are in year one, it doesn't matter how bad the defense across you is. If that team is dropping back into zone, you're probably going to have a hard time. And State struggled to move the ball consistently, but they still got points in that game. Last year is the one that's like the, the – where the big basis for the argument is, is like State only had six points halfway through the third quarter. Go back to the first half of that game. State had the ball four times. All four times they got into scoring range. The first drive, they had to settle for three. Um, the second drive, Will Rogers missed a wide open Makai Polk in the end zone for what should have been a touchdown, and they had to settle for three. The next drive, they kind of shot themselves in the foot again down in the red zone, and they had to kick a field, uh, kick a field goal, which they missed. And then we all remember the infamous final drive and the drop touchdown. You know, I, pass. I, I think I think we're uh, we got it covered. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks. Yeah, no. Like, the the point <laughs> I'm getting to here is to give Durkin credit. His defense did play a little bit better in the red zone. I mean, red zone roulette. And in the second half, they did a better job of getting pressure. But it wasn't like he was scheming anything up. It was sort of just that state shot themselves in the foot in the first half. And Ole Miss was able to – You have Sam Williams half. versus Scott Lashley. Exactly. You have one player who's winning a battle consistently throughout the game, and it makes your life really easy. Oh, let's not forget we're throwing in the rain, running the air rain. And, like, maybe we're making a lot of excuses here, and, like, you're, you know, you're taken away from a good defensive performance. Like, Ole Miss's defense played decently well in that game, but State also was largely responsible for its own issue. Like – That could happen again. It could happen this Saturday. We saw it against LSU. No, it could absolutely happen. DJ Durkin's a pretty good coordinator. He's not a good person, but he's a pretty good coordinator. And the the Max. defense that DJ Durkin Max. runs does is going to more his teams are going to be better suited to go up against an air raid team because they're used to dropping back. They're used to playing zone. That doesn't mean you're going to shut down the offense. We've seen that you can still move the ball when teams do that. It's just about not making stupid mistakes and converting down to the red zone. So. Look, last year, like a and fans were all like, oh, Mike Elko is the reason because he kept he kept rushing three and dropping eight. What do you think T.J. Durkin's going to do in this game? Now, to be fair, there were a few times that Durkin, uh, Elko tried to go to man coverage. Makai Polk kept beating them over the top. But, it, like, Durkin is going to be much more willing to just rush three, drop eight in this game. But I think we've seen State can handle that. So I'm not too worried about – being able to handle he rushes three drop eight dylan johnson's getting the ball in this game i mean yeah no for sure um i'm i'm definitely not too worried about it uh let's talk about our keys to the game um look first and foremost the biggest thing here it's the exact same as what i said against lsu your offensive line has to hold up um that was the kind of defining issue for mississippi state offensively in that game it, we saw it both in the passing game and in the run game, but the bigger thing is going to be in the pass game. Will Rogers has to have time to throw. Now, Will Rogers also has to get rid of the ball quicker. Well, hey, that's certainly been a thing, and there were times against LSU he should have thrown earlier than he did. Um, but State's offensive line has to come to play because if they don't, it's going to be a long day for you offensively. Uh, 
Next big thing to say, Colton already talked about this. You can't give up the big plays. I mean, AM can't move on offense if we don't get if they don't we don't allow the big play. It's it's really that simple. And look, that also goes for the return game. They have a return touchdown. Ben Rabin, kick it through the end zone. It's literally that simple. Uh speaking of A chain, contain him. I, I'm rolling through this quick because we kind of already hit all of them, but like you know he is the guy on offense, especially with Anaya Smith out. Against, like, I'll keep making comparisons to LSU because that's, like, the game that we saw that presented the biggest issues for State. You did have to account for with that offense the weapons they had in the receiving core, and that gave Jaden Daniel space to make plays with his legs. You don't have to – A&M's receivers don't scare you. You're not really worried about Max Johnson as a runner. Load up to stop Devin A-Chain and force Johnson to beat you over the top because I don't think he can. And the last big thing I'll say here, and again, we kind of just touched on this. You can't make the stupid mistake. And like it, that's kind of what cost you against LSU with the drop passes, with the muff punt. It's how Texas A&M was able to beat Arkansas because Arkansas made a mistake when they were going to go up 21 to seven in the first half and probably would have rolled to a win. A&M, the way they play, they count on their opponent to mess up. So you can't do it. It's been a theme for state every single game because it's been a continued issue. That is my biggest gripe with where the program is, that I don't know why these things continue to happen. You can't do it in this game. So those are my keys to the game. Uh, either of you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, you're talking about containing uh, Max Johnson if you have to, right? It's not the same way with Jaden Daniels. He's did it against LSU. Hey, maybe now would be the time if you want to. Uh, you could decide to put Nathan Pickering as a quarterback spy because maybe he can catch him. I'm still angry about that, by the way. Uh, putting Nathan Pickering as a spy, if you can't tell, I, that that ruined that, my day. That's not as bad. That's bad. That's not as bad as putting a safety on Malik Neighbors on fourth down when they've converted three third downs in a row with him. I'm going to disagree. Yeah. The Nathan Pickering thing is worse to me. A safety – I know it's bad. I know we harp on the safety thing because it's like, why are you letting one of their best receivers be against a guy who's not as good? Why are you letting like a 320-pound so, guy try to run with a quarterback? So let me counter with this. If you have the wrong personnel in the field, you might get caught or whatever. The fourth down happened after a timeout. We could have put five cornerbacks on the field and just covered and made sure Malik Neighbors wasn't going to outrun past somebody. They're both dumb decisions. But, Daniel, back to the point you were making. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, if, if at all possible, maybe this might be the game we could put uh, Nathan Pickering at, at QB spot. I don't know. It, Max Johnson isn't as fast, but he, he, could, he could definitely outrun Nathan Pickering. That was more of a joke. Uh, you hit all those keys to the game right there. And if we – I said, there might not be a need to contain Max Johnson, but uh, definitely have a linebacker there ready to, to catch him if you need to because – He's not as fast as Jaden Daniels, so I think Jet and and Bookie can catch up to him. But uh, yeah, like let's see him try to beat us with that arm. Let's see, like, let's let's. I, I want to see him try. I would like to see him try. Which I'm sure will go perfectly well for us because state fans say they want to see things and it never blows up in their face. Yeah. Um, Someone knock on wood, uh, please. <laughs> there we go. You All right, Pickering. He he did have the game ceiling safety against A and M last year, so maybe we can no. get a return to that because I, I think you're going to need the defense to come up big in this game. All right, so since we have Colton on the show, 
we actually have a new little segment we're going to break out that this was his idea after the LSU game. Uh, we didn't use it for the last game because it was really no point. We were playing Bowling Green. Um, but Colton has an idea for, for a little game that we'll play uh, to preview game. So why don't you explain it? Right. So uh, this is, I guess, I guess we've got to name it. Uh, naming it, it sounds weird. It's not like a thing. <clears throat> it's called pick a number. I've got three metrics. I'm going to ask each of you to pick a number that has to be reached in that metric in order for you to feel like state has a, uh, has won the game. Basically, if it all comes down to this stat, what does that stat have to be? So it's pretty simple. Just got to pick the number. First thing we got is number of rushing yards from Will Rogers. And what I need to want to say that here is this number can still be in the negatives if it needs to be, but just make sure when you say, if you say more than negative 10, that means negative five. If you say less than negative 10, that means negative 15. You know, just make sure you keep that straight. We're not going to, we're going to keep our math proper here. We're not going to say oh, more than negative 10 is negative 15. That's not how that works. So are we going off of negative 10? No, 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 no number. I mean, it can be positive. So my, my logic for picking this is, is a has trouble uh, stopping the run? So, and they haven't been particularly, particularly disruptive, but we do think that that's an area of concern uh, for, for Mississippi State in this game. Basically, you know, how, how does, how much does uh, the, how much do sacks need to be a factor? But what I mean by that also is, is it more about A&M not getting pressure, ergo no negative plays, or does Will Rogers need to be able to escape some of that pressure turn out a couple positive plays with his feet. Uh, <laughs> factor in both of those things into this one number, basically. Will Rogers rushing. I'll let you go, Because, like, if they, if, they get, if they get 19 hurries, but Will Rogers only gets sacked three times and escapes the other 18 and makes – turns five – probably a good sign. Yeah. All right, I think I get that. So <laughs> – First, before I thought about uh, if if sacks counted in or not, but with the knowledge of sacks, I mean, I'd say probably knowledge sacks count yards. as rushing yards. Yeah, probably ten yards. Probably I don't know. Um, I, I think he can escape more, and maybe this is the game to do that. But ten yards is all I'm asking for there, which would hopefully include fewer than three sacks. But we'll see. I'm actually going to go off the very first number Colton threw out there. I think if it's negative 10 or greater, I think we're fine. I expect a couple sacks, and I also don't anticipate Will's going to take off and run. Um, he just really hasn't shown the willingness to do it. I, I, I feel like it's going to be rare that he's ever in the positive unless he just doesn't take a sack in a game. I feel like, though, if we're talking negative 10 yardage on sacks, I mean, that's probably not many. And I, I think that's kind of the like if you get beyond that, that probably means either you took some big ones that are kind of drive killers, or you kind of limited the damage on it and it wasn't too much pressure about the game. So I'm actually think he could be in the negative, but as long as it's inside of ten, I think you're fine. Yeah, one thing I forgot to mention, Niels. I am still negative, I, I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with with Andrew negative twelve. The extra two comes from a Neil. Mm. okay that's fine big brain all right what's our next one 
Y'all have less Next faith one. in Wheels Rogers than I do. Huh? Y'all have less faith in Will Wheels Rogers. <laughs> Wheels Rogers. Uh, I, 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 the way I see it is you either need two sacks or you need you have to have two or less sacks. You can have three or four if Will Rogers is also going to avoid sacks with his legs once or twice to, to mitigate that a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of where I'm going with that. All right, next one, a little bit simpler. Turnover differential, not total turnovers, turnover differential differential that needed for us to win this game. So that can be zero, plus one, negative one, anything. It can be negative five, plus five. Woo, negative five. No, That'd I'm, be bad. I don't think we'd win if we have negative five. I, I agree. And I'm going to be a bit bold on mine, or I don't know. I think – I think they can do it on negative two, but. Okay. So you but, think state, so basically state can turn over twice without forcing any and still win. Yeah, but it's going to be a very, very close game, right? Like probably a two-point game or a one-point game, one of those kind of crazy games. I, I, I'm stumbling here. I don't really care if we, like, I want to force turnovers. That'd be great. If we don't force one, I don't think that's the biggest deal in the world because they it's not like they're going to make a ton of mistakes on offense. I sort of trust us to just stop them. I think as long as the differential is zero, I think we're okay. Um, just you can't make an extra mistake than they can. I don't think State has to be in the positive. I just think you can't make an extra mistake than they do in this game. Um, if you're in the positive, I think you – you abs- I mean, for sure, you're winning this game. And I think it, it's zero – I still feel like, okay, we probably played a clean enough game that we're okay in this thing. Yep. I'm with you. This is zero. Uh, that includes turnovers on downs, special any muff punts or anything, including all of that, zero. All right. Last one. This is the easy one. We, I know we, got, we were planning on doing three. How many points do we have to have to where you're like, oh, yeah, we won that game? I, 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 hand, I hand you a piece of paper, a number on a piece of paper, and you you look at this. This is a number that you have to see to be like, no doubt we won that game. 21. Ooh, I like it. Okay. Let's go say that three times. <laughs> I mean, if you're saying no, if you were saying no doubt, like no question we won that game, then I'm like, okay, like 27 or more. So if you're telling me no doubt, if you're talking about what I actually think we probably need, it's in the 2021 range because I feel like their offense isn't going to produce. But if you're talking no doubt, I have to go higher. So I guess if I'm making like literal, I'll say 20. Yeah. But no doubt, I need to see probably another touchdown to that. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm right at 28. If you get 28, there's no way AM scores 20. If AM scores three offensive touchdowns and gets help on special teams or, or turnover or a defensive touchdown, you know, they're right at 28. I just I don't see them scoring that much. There's if you looked me in the eye and said AM is going to have a better offensive day on the road against Mississippi State than they had against any of their previous three FBS teams. Uh, I would be shocked. So 28 feels high, but that's where I'm super confident. I, I might, by the game time, I might come down to 24. 
scored, by the way, scored on those. You know what? I'm going to lock in at 24. Noah Nia Smith, we score 24. It's game's over. All right. So uh, that's a segment that we may break out some more this season. Um, I mean, I like the idea, like picking this, picking a stat line. Like if you hit this, how are you, you know, how do you feel about the game? So obviously we will make our official predictions for the game at the end. I think you kind of probably all kind of know which way we're leaning when we talk about this one. Uh, but now it's time for our weekly pick them. So we can review uh, both Daniel and I went five and two on the week when you include the picks of Mississippi State, which I mean, look, you're getting an extra win there because we predicted to beat Bowling Green. Um, bounce back week for Daniel. Uh, his one loss was on Tennessee, Florida. Um, he, he took went with the, or he took a loss on Tennessee, Florida, picking the Gators. We were both wrong when it came to the Baylor Iowa State game. Uh, I think I think I heard Iowa State kind of got screwed by like a terrible call in that game. I don't remember for sure. I saw something on Twitter, but I think they've kind of had bad luck with that over in recent years. But nonetheless, Baylor is able to get the win there, uh, despite being an underdog as a ranked team. I did take a loss. I went with Arkansas against Texas A&M. Post-game win expectancy favored my pick, but the Aggies get the official victory. Uh, we were both very lucky to be correct about Auburn, <laughs> that team. Um, Clemson wins a shootout with Wake Forest to get it, and Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, the – Kansas Jayhawks are 4-0 in the season after beating Duke. So that's a rundown on the pitch in the last week. Uh, for this week, Colton obviously is going to be making picks too just to see how he performs for the one week, even though it's not going to really last long term. But he's certainly playing to see if he can beat us both today. First game we'll talk about. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. Big game here in the Magnolia State. It's a big day of football in the Magnolia State. Top 15 matchup. Number seven, Kentucky goes on the road to Oxford. Ole Miss decided to take a page out of the Mississippi State playbook, and they are wearing camo-inspired uniforms. Uh, they look like Coors Light fans. <laughs> and, look, I love the mountains. Listen, mountains are blue, but uh, not a great look for them. First of all, first of all, people want to – there's a lot of talk this week about what we have to do to get NIL deals and stuff like that. I'm sure we have a huge Mossy Oak NIL collective one of the ceos has donated the bulldog initiative i'm sure all right we didn't have to wear a uniform for it from okay like old miss has with real tree so old miss has their own mossy oak it's called real tree and they're I'll, i just wanted to point out how we don't have to have a mossy oak football helmet to get our money first of all so if y'all want to talk about nil deals fine whatever we've got big companies that come from i mean uh, Holiday Inn is a is from uh, McCool. It's the guy that founded Holiday Inn. We get that money. There's a lot of the companies that come from Mississippi State, so I don't think that there's this whole disparity between Ole Miss and Mississippi State of all places and NIL money. But if there is, it's worth it to not have to have our NIL boosters hold a gun to our head and make us wear their uniforms on on games. That being said, that helmet is awful. It, it looks – it would be cute if football was one of these sports where you play 30, 40, 50, 60 games like baseball or NBA basketball where you can break out some funny uniforms. You got 12 games. You can't afford to have this, like, joke of a helmet where – like, we wore camouflage for baseball, a midweek baseball game, game that didn't really matter. I believe all midweek games matter. But when you play 59 other games, football doesn't work. It looks like paint splatter. Um, and to do it, to you're not honoring anybody. You're not, 
you know, there's no re- – like, even when we had, like, the digital thing, which I really like, on the, on the uniforms against Abilene Christian that year, there is a specific cause that that was affiliated with. This is just, oh, Realtree wanted us to wear this. No, like my biggest thing with it, and we're spending way too much time <coughs> talking about them, which I, oh, you obsessed months. Like, I, it just kills me because I know that if we did the same thing, we would be getting roasted by them. Oh, look at the, look at Redneck Tech down there. Look at the, look at look at all the uh, the country folk wearing their camo to a game, but Ole Miss doesn't. It's cool. So we, we spend forever talking about the uniforms. Why don't we actually pick the games, uh, Daniel? Who are you going with in this? Pretty, this is a big matchup. Yeah, it's a huge game. Um, I mean, it two teams that I think we can all agree on are probably a little bit overrated, um, and I do think home field is going to be the decision. I'm going to take Ole Miss in this one. I don't want to, but I will. So give me, give me the, the camo boys. Holden, who are you rolling with, buddy? Listen, Kentucky's got Chris Rodriguez back. Games at eleven. I apparently, was a sellout, but there's a lot of concern about getting Pete bodies into the stadium in time. Uh, to have a, a rowdy kickoff. If Kentucky's already gone up a touchdown by the time everybody files in, I've got to go with Kentucky. I don't think either team's really good. I know that Mark Stoops is a good defensive coach. I don't think uh, Ole Miss has played – I actually know for a fact. Ole Miss has only played pretty abysmal rushing defenses all year. Kentucky's is much better. I think they're in the top 35. And they're going to be able to stack the box and force Dart to beat them with his arm uh, with a receiving core that's not up to Ole Miss standards, and it's not going to happen for Ole Miss. <coughs> yeah, you talk about, you know, crowd concerns. Lane Kiffin referring to their crowd as a high school crowd. You, those are things you just love to see. Also, Ole Miss making people upset. They're closing the Grove at 630. <laughs> like, they're not going to let their fans tailgate all day, which – some Ole Miss fans were saying, like, apparently they closed their games an hour. Like, they're pushing it back an hour. Like, normally they close the Grove earlier than that. Like, I was curious what State's policy was because I didn't want to, like, roast them and then look wrong. And, like, but State on game days, like, you're able to stay out there until midnight, which I understand. You can tailgate until Sunday. Yeah, like, th- th- there's not a stop. And, in, in, like, if it's a late game, it's, like, supposed to be two hours after the game ends. But – even if the game ends at, you know, 11 a.m. kickoff and you get done by 2.30, if you want to stay out in the junction the rest of the day, you can. Um, so pretty sad that the school who thinks they invented tailgating tries to discourage tailgating on their campus. With that said, I am going to take the Rebels. At, they're at home. Look, I mean, I, I, I do not buy into this Kentucky offense yet. Obviously, yes, seeing it with Chris Rodriguez could be a whole other deal. Ole Miss defensively. Have they played a, def- a team with the rest of a pulse? Not really. I mean, and Tulsa did give them some problems, to be fair. But I just – I'm not sold on this Kentucky offense. I don't know if they're as strong defensively as they haven't been in the past. Um, and I, I feel like they'll be able to find a way to get the win at home. This game – This is gotten... a battle of battle of two overrated teams in Oxford. Yeah, no. They, I don't think you're going to learn too much about either of these teams going forward unless one just blows out the other. This is the game that would have gotten college game day if Arkansas hadn't choked. Uh, number two, Alabama, goes on the road to Fayetteville to take on the number 20-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. 
look, we put it on here because it's a top 20 SEC matchup. Um, I think this is the CBS game. Uh, you is. know, th- this is a popular upset pick in the preseason. Even then, I wasn't buying it. I'm taking Alabama. You guys, anyone want to argue? Anyone want to give the Hogs a chance? I mean, I want Arkansas to win, so they come in on a high horse to start for a week later, but no, they're not winning. Alabama. Yeah, stupid question. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask a stupid question. I didn't realize what you were saying there. All right. No, <laughs> asking me who's going to win this game is a stupid question. <laughs> I, was, I was ready for you to ask a question. I'm just, I'm just sitting here like – no <laughs> this is a stupid question um yeah look I I don't think I don't want Arkansas to win I would say if they found a way to keep this close that would be that would like I feel like that's the best chance like if you have just a deflating loss a demoralizing loss that's the best thing to get them the next week because uh, we saw State go to Fayetteville against a bad Arkansas team in 2017 after a demoralizing loss to Bama and State almost found a way to lose that game um, even though Burt was about to be fired. So hopefully they find a way. But, I mean, their past defense is terrible. I think Bryce Young will have a big day against them. And uh, Burt. Yeah. And also they, 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 can, they can run the ball against Arkansas too. And, yeah, I, I, maybe Arkansas can have some success offensively. But I, I don't know. This is an interesting game. Um, LSU travels to the plane. This is at night for some reason. Why is this yeah. game at night? Auburn Jesus. Um, <laughs> like, so what's funny is, like, LSU does not win at Auburn. It, it, for those not familiar, even when LSU has been good, they struggle on the Plains. And in the preseason, I took Auburn to win this game. And now it kind of feels like Auburn's almost dead. I think LSU is probably pretty actually decent, or I, at least I kind of hope they are, <laughs> given that we lost to them. How are you guys feeling? Does Auburn want to win this game? That's a real question. No. Can we get an Auburn fan on the show? Do they want? Do you want to win this game, or do you want to just end this nightmare now? You lose this game, it's over. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know anyone. I feel like if you lose this game, even if they don't fire him, you can check out. Like, you have permission to check out. Yeah. Which is, which is what that's like when. I do that with Dallas all the time. When Dak gets hurt or something, or when I can tell she's not going to be a good year, I'm allowed to check. I can't do that at Mississippi State. I won't. My mom won't let me do it. But I can check out. And that's what I think Auburn fans need. Auburn fans are a passionate fan base, though. So, I don't know. Maybe they do want to win this game. But they're not going to. LSU. Yeah, LSU. Go Tigers. I talked myself back <laughs> into it. I think LSU probably wins. But this is the exact game Auburn finds a way to win every single year. Like, this is it. And knowing their history with LSU and the way that that series, like, they find ways to win at home. Also, it would be hilarious Auburn wins this game. And then it, kind of the inverse of, like, last year Ed Orgeron got fired after beating Florida. I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn says, crap, he won a game he wasn't supposed to. We need to pull the trigger now before he finds a way to turn this around. But this is the exact type of game where Auburn Jesus finds a way to win. LSU gets a lot of voodoo magic in their favor, but the one place that voodoo doesn't work is Jordan-Hare Stadium. So I'm going to take Auburn. I'm probably wasting a game here, but 
this feels like a game that Auburn <gasps> just finds a way to win. <laughs> no take backs. That's fine. All right. Who's starting yeah. a quarterback for Auburn? It doesn't um, matter. They're not going to win. Yeah, well. Is it a walk-on? Are they down to a walk-on? I think Ashford's fine, isn't he? Oh, yeah, but is he any better than a walk-on? I mean, with him, I think they might they be can, better if they just put one in. They essentially can just run triple option, so yeah, which is what and they put up do. fourteen points in regulation on the worst on the worst defense in the SEC. Precisely. Um, also, I, I keep I keep kicking myself because I realized I described what happened in that game completely wrong. I said like Missouri. I said like LSU threw an overtime interception or something. I I was trying to record our pod while like half looking up to the TV that I had muted. Uh, for those who you probably all know that was LA, Auburn missed a field goal and then got another chance to kick another field goal in that overtime on their way to winning because Missouri shot themselves in the foot. Those are really the only SEC games we're going to talk about, but we do have a few national games. Uh, obviously, we're not going to do a massive slate when there's not much SEC, but these are some games that could be of intrigue. Top 16 matchup in the Big 12, number nine, Oklahoma State, goes on the road to number 16, Baylor. Uh, the Cowboys are still undefeated. Baylor was able to bounce back from their loss to BYU to get a win against Iowa State, although I did mention there might have been some controversy there. Um, how are we feeling about this one? Big, this is going to be a big game in determining the Big 12 title race, especially after Oklahoma's loss. Listen, I got clowned for thinking for my lazy pick that Baylor would be in the Big 12 title game. So whether I believe it or not, I have to pick Baylor because I will not – be called a flip-flopper or a bandwagoner or any of those things. I will stick with what I predicted in the original originally is that Baylor is good. I will be fair to you. They've looked – I really haven't watched them, but, you know, just sort of looking at scores, I feel like they have been better than I anticipated <laughs> at this point. Like, they absolutely yeah, they, could have won that game. There might have been controversy in that Iowa State game, but they were up big at one point. Yeah, I mean, like, they could have absolutely won that BYU game the way that game went. So, no, look, Dave Rand is a good coach. My whole thing was, like, they they lost a lot from last year and just assuming that a team like Baylor is going to be able to bounce back and stuff. But with the way the Big 12 is shaking up, they may very well still be there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it. Daniel, who are you going with here? Give me Oklahoma State. Got just it. that. Uh, I think earlier this week was like the anniversary of the I'm a man, I'm 40 rant. Uh, so let's go, let's go, let's go pokes. I'm going to, I'm going to stick consistent that I don't know if Baylor's all that great. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's impressed me. I was not sold on them coming into the season either, given how much they lost, but they've kind of, they haven't really played anybody yet, but they've handled their business. So I, Barry I know Mason. We, yeah, uh, he is a good defense coordinator, Auburn fans. Uh, this is a really good game in the ACC, and I have no idea if the hurricane is going to impact that, which real quick, you know, shout out oh, – not shout out. Thoughts and prayers to everybody down there being impacted by the storm. Uh, obviously, Daniel's trying not to laugh. I'm starting to say like, – I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I could not hold myself back from that. I, so, as I was saying it, I, like, at first didn't want to say thoughts and prayers, and I was just going to be, like, you know, some kind of word, like, hey, shout out to the folks down there. We understand it's tough. But I said it quick, and I was like, yeah, that didn't sound right. Let me, let me say thoughts and prayers. 
So, oh, you know, so we had way past my bedtime right now. I can't hold it in. <laughs> we had a whole lesson in med school about how pity isn't as good as sympathy, which isn't as good as empathy. I think you even went above pity. Like that was just disconcern, like or disregard, no concern whatsoever. Apathy. Like <laughs> shout oh. out. <laughs> that's 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 one of the no, that I, I definitely lack it. I can admit that right now. That's a no, real quick, cold. You're a meteorologist. I okay. I'm not really doing that to be clear. Like put, put that up. I got a meteorology degree. I but um that that is one of the things where like weather Twitter makes me roll my eyes because everything that is put out there, there's always someone who there are some people trying to be good people who are like you like you, you have to be careful about how you word things. So you have to think about how people will anticipate because like in the whole time I'm just like I I just want to be very strict blunt and I, I am I'm too blunt with some of that, some of my opinion. Which I why like I that guy on Fox Weather that said you will die. That was old, by the way. Die. That that was from a few years ago. It just got resurfaced. Was it? Dang. Yeah, man. I By feel, the way, I feel betrayed. I'm pretty sure that was Shepard Smith, who's an old Miss alum. Um, I do know that. That's true. So no, that was back. I can't remember which hurricane it was for sure, but that was a few years old. That that got cycled up again because strong hurricane hitting Florida. But if you look, the, the that was a storm that hit Florida's east coast, and obviously this storm's coming up through the Gulf. So it wasn't even the same track. It's just most people weren't going to catch that. Uh, oh, I thought this storm was on the East Coast. No. Huh. I probably, you know, probably that clip. I mean, the entire state of Florida is going to be impacted. We're is rabbits. being impacted. We're chasing rabbits. Obviously. <laughs> so back to, like, where this all started. I, um, I have I have dibs on picking this game last. I want to hear what y'all say. I'm still on the fence about it. Um, number 22, Wake Forest, traveling to Tallahassee. It's number 23, Florida State. I don't know if they've said anything as to whether or not they're going to, like, adjust game time on this. I know a lot of teams across the state of Florida and uh, South Carolina as well because the track is going to take this potentially up into South Carolina. They have moved around game times. This game, I think, is going to be down to the wire. Florida State's been impressive this year. Uh, they got the big win against LSU. They did a remarkable job of handling adversity on a weeknight against Louisville when they had, you know, they lose Jordan Travis and the backup comes in like his first throw is an interception. And then the rest of the night plays incredible. They lost a lot of their top defense, like Jared Verse. I think Fabian Lovett, that guy, got hurt in that game. But he, he is one of their best defensive linemen. And they just found a way to grind out a win. They've blown out their other two opponents, which is not something Florida State's always been able to do in recent years. I like Wake Forest a lot. But I guess I'm going to go with FSU at home. If they can get a good crowd, I don't know the situation there. Um, the way they're playing is just impressive to me. I, that's got to be a demoralizing loss for Wake Forest last week where, you know, typically Clemson has kind of just killed them and they found a way to, like, they were very much in that game and just uh, couldn't make the stops to get it done and lose in overtime. But I'll, I'll take the Knowles at home. Is Jordan Travis back? Yes. Hmm. So I'm right there yeah. with you, Andrew. Uh, Wake Forest should have beat Clemson. And, yeah, the way they lost, very demoralizing. They're not going to beat Florida State. Florida State wins it. Jordan drives back. Give me the Knowles. I'm going to go with FSU for one reason and one reason only. Uh, 
I've picked two games different from both of y'all, and I don't need this to pick this different to, to beat y'all. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Great point. Of that. <laughs> if you want I won't to be shocked. how competitive I am. There is the other side, obviously. Like, if game time gets impacted, I mean, uh, and, you know, if FSU, if there's any kind of, like, you know, not thinking about this game because of what's going on. But I I think right now they might be the better team. Talk, talked about Clemson just a second ago. Rematch from last year when NC State broke the streak and got the huge win in Raleigh. Number 10, NC State goes on the road to number five, Clemson. Um, NC State to this point is kind of NC Stating to an extent. They're handling their business and winning games, but they haven't been super impressive while doing it at times. Um, granted, I mean, they, they've still found ways to win. Clemson, DJ Uyunglele had a get-right game against Wake Forest, probably the best game he's played in his career. Granted, that's a Wake Forest defense that's really bad, but I think this, you know, this is a big game there uh, in Clemson, South Carolina. So uh, how are you guys leaning? Go Tigers. Good pick. Not so fast, my friend. Um, this is game day tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's Wednesday. <laughs> We've got a few days for that. Uh, you know, I am I am taking uh, NC State. So, you know, Andrew made a point earlier. Every once in a while, I just do a random pick just for fun. This is my pick for funsies. I think it is a strategy they have been using to – He's uh, less competitive than me. Look like they're tell. bad. And then, you know, even though people are like, it's an overrated team, they're number 10 in the country, they're going to find a way to win it. So – Give me the wolf pack. I'd be down for it. Um, Davo Sweeney is just becoming more and more annoying week by week, but I, I, I feel like Clemson is going to get their bounce back this year. All right, so those are our picks for the games across the country, and now it's time to make the pick for the game that you guys actually care about. Um, obviously, we, we've, we've talked about it a lot. This is a huge game in Starkville. State really needs to find a way to win it. Like, like I said, it kind of at the beginning, it's not a must win, but it's one you really need to have. It's a tone setter for the season. It's a tone setter for Mike Leach's career. This is a team you feel like you should be able to beat. And if you can contain them offensively and just limit what Devin A. Chain is able to do and force Max Johnson to be the one handling business, I don't know how much they can do. And if your offense can just hit enough opportunities, I feel like you got a great chance to win. So, uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. What, how are you leaning for this game? What's your score? Yeah, uh, you know me. I always pick Mississippi State because why not? Uh, always love my school. And I will have the Bulldogs winning 24 to 13. Three touchdowns from Will Rogers. And I don't know if that 13 is going to come from missed extra point or two field goals. We'll figure out. So, so here's where I'm at with this game. Andrew, true or false? Mississippi State's offense is better than last year. Ooh. I'm going to say true. I, there's just one thing that holds you up. They Okay, they, they are true top – they are better top to bottom, so true overall because – Obviously, the overall understanding of how to operate the offense is better from all facets. Uh, I think the receiving core as a whole right now is better, although you need someone to be a little bit more consistent. Like, you had a consistent force, Makai Polk. Right now, you've got a lot of guys who are super talented, but they haven't always 
meshed on that. I, I know I'm going way too far into this, but I have to speak it out to break it down. Will Rogers is better because he knows the offense better. He's shown more of a willingness to stretch the field vertically. He's done a better job of checking into plays at the right time. The only holdup is how much do you trust the offensive line in this game? Uh, or not this game, overall. Because losing Charles Cross is a massive loss, and so far you have had some struggles, and this offense kind of all rolls through that. So I will say overall better, but like the most important part of it does concern me some. Okay. But you would think if they're better and at home, that they could score more than 24, unless AM's defense is just way better this year, which I don't know that it is. I'm not going to ask you that question. I can't break that down enough to compare to last year. <laughs> Daniel, do you, true or false, Mississippi State's the best defense AM has played all year? Like so far, yes. Oh, maybe I'll, I'll answer that one for you. The answer is true. If you look at we, we just talked about Arkansas is the worst pass defense in the country before Saturday, worst pass defense in FBS and FCS, like all around. They were 3-0, and which tells you how much that stat means. They were 3-0 and and came into that game worst pass defense. Ever. So, yeah, I think we are the best defense we played. Middle Tennessee State put up what? What was that final score of that game? Was it 45-34? Uh, 45-31. Jeez. 45 points at home to Middle Tennessee State for Miami. Mississippi State is definitely the best defense they've played. So, but you want me – my brain doesn't want me to put the score at, like, 31-10. It just doesn't. But you would think that we can beat, hold them below their average scoring and score more than we scored last year. I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit with uh, potential for non-offensive score, but I'm going to say 23-14. I know that's really, really close to what y'all said, but it's not the competitive edge of me. That's just me. For some reason, I can't make myself say, oh, yeah, we'll put up 30 points. And I can't I do think that I, I would be shocked if AM scored a field goal or touchdown better than their average against non-FCS teams, which we decided was already like what 15 points if you include uh if including the non-offensive scores, I'd be shocked. So, so my goal, my guess, 23-14. Yeah. Um look, I mean I've, I've broken it down a lot. With I, I, I don't think AM can score on state, um, unless state makes the mistake and gives up a big play or state does something stupid. I, I do not think this offense will be able to consistently move the ball against Mississippi State. And when I look at what they are able to do on the defensive side of the ball, it is a good defense, it is a good passing defense. Um, they do have a lot of talented players up front, and given MSU struggles along the offensive line, that does concern me to an extent. So I do think you will see some drives here in this game where A&M's defensive, defense is able to really limit what State can do. Like, there will probably be a few drives in this game that have the fan base melting down. I'm going to make that prediction now. But, and I, I touched on this earlier, because I'm going I'm to draw a lot of comparisons to the LSU game because of, you know, that was the, that was the first big challenge for State. It's a team with a lot of talent. How did you match up in that? Part of why that defense presented you so many, so many problems was because of how good they were up front. A&M's got talent, but A&M does not have the dudes that LSU does. So I feel like your offensive line can do just enough in this game to give Will Rogers enough time 
to operate this offense. And I also think you will probably see a little bit of a better game plan from state going in about how to handle a team who might have the pieces up front. Um, I'm going to go with a very similar score to you guys. State grinds out a win 23 to 16. Uh, going to, I think it's going to be a kind of an ugly game, kind of a battle, but ultimately I state's at home. I do not trust the AM offense at all. I do not. And I, I don't think their defense is good enough to just shut down state. So give me the Bulldogs by his touchdown. All right. All right. So, yeah. I, I forgot that I'm the one who closes out this show. So I sort of was just uh, sitting there blankly for a moment. All right, then. So that is the one, show. One thing we got to talk about. Oh, A&M's biological father is on a tear tonight with uh, with some some rebel bear sharks or whatever you want to call them. <coughs> Talking about the 2016 game, by the way. Nip Fitzgerald is the is old Mrs. Biological Father too. They it took a dirty play to break his leg to keep him from dominating them three years in a row. So stop arguing with him if you're from all this. I wanted to point out Nick Fitzgerald's legacy has aged like fine wine. People all forget that I was not one of them. I had this argument with my with my roommates that you are not benching him to put in a redshirt, I guess technically redshirt freshman that doesn't that's not nearly as experienced in Keaton Thompson. It would not work out. I was on record saying that, but I had a podcast back then too, so you can go wait. No, I didn't. <laughs> anyway, um, but that being said, it seems like now everybody pretty much agrees he was probably the second best quarterback of all time. He knows it too. He'll tell you about it. He won't claim that, but I think. People like to call Nick arrogant. He's also really, really quick to give out praise to other people and even quicker to point out, like, yeah, man, I sucked at this point or I did bad right here. I think Nick is just a guy that calls it like it is. Yeah. Got a podcast now, probably outperforms this one in terms of listenership, but that's fine. No, Nick is great. Um, and I, I, I love how active he's gotten with MSU Twitter. Um, always fun when you have a former player and a guy who, you know, is able to have some fun but been able to poke some fun and – you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's fitting we talk about him when he is Texas A&M's daddy. And as you mentioned, he's getting after, getting at it with the, the Bear Sharks tonight. And, I mean, they, they really have nothing to say. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, glad we're able to get the show out for you guys a day earlier. Obviously, it's a lot to talk about. Um, but this, we knew this was a big episode, and we wanted to be able to have Colton on. And, Colton, with that in mind, uh, do you want to do the honor to close this out? I will. I will. I don't have to listen to this show now because I was here. So that's good for me. More stuff for me to do this weekend. But until next time, swing your sword. And as always, hail state. Hail state.